Welcome back to another episode of In Focus, the one-on-one interview show here on the Mojo Sports Network. I'm your host for today's episode, sports writer Alexander Jay. You can find me here on the network on the weekly NBA recap show and on Daily NBA with Alexander Jay if you're a basketball fan. Today's guest might be familiar to some listeners of that NBA show. Yuri Bilsic is a very talented man. He's been working across a number of publications and sports in the last couple of years, including writing for the Inner Sanctum, Zero Sports, you might have heard him on Sports Radio in Perth, and a slew of other projects. Yuri's got an amazing work ethic and ability to accurately recall tiny and minute sports details from 20 years ago. On the second episode we worked together on the NBA show here on the Mojo Sports Network, I bestowed upon him the monkey, the mini basketball encyclopedia, after he went on a mini tangent and pulled the exact score and shooting splits Memphis guard OJ Mayo had in some random game back in November of 2009. Today's conversation explores Yuri's childhood growing up in Perth, his foray into sports at a young age, and his journey through university to become a sports writer. Here's Yuri. All right, thanks again, Yuri, for agreeing to uh, sit down and chat with me. We, we speak pretty often, and it's only about basketball, so I'm really excited to hear more about your story today. Um, give everyone the 60-second summary of who Yuri Bilsic is. Alex, thank you for having me again. It's great to have you chat with you once more. Yeah, so basically, I'm... Um, a sports media writer so I do my own writing for my own Substack account which I've been doing for the last nine months also of course part of Mojo Sports with the NBA and AFL shows which has been a tremendous learning experience and something really really set my feet back in water there which has really been awesome too I do some writing as well for the Inner Sanctum so I've done a few feature articles here and there as well and I've also been a really good sort of leveraging point as well for enhancing my writing skills and just a whole assortment of various different things to try and sort of brand my name out there. That's pretty much made a description of 60 seconds, Alex. I would go one further, Yuri. Um, if you're a listener to the NBA show here on the network, you know, sometimes I affectionately refer to you as the mini basketball encyclopedia. You have a skill that I assume is extremely coveted throughout the sporting landscape. And it's like a near recall of some of the sporting stuff that you've gone through and read and you've put in the work and and gone and memorized and watched. You've got this innate ability across different sports. I've heard you talk about um, golf. I've heard you talk about the AFL. Just recollecting things from like 15, 20 plus years ago, very specific to the date. You can get like OJ Mayo scored 23 points on January 15th. Like that kind of skill is fairly rare um, in my time in the same sports media content creation landscape. So I just want to say that that's, an underrated aspect of what you bring to the table. I'm glad we get to utilize it here at Mojo, but it makes me excited to think about where your career is going to go uh, and where you might blossom to as well. So let's talk about how you started as a child. Um, Where did you grow up? Where are you from? I think I know you're from Perth. You still live there, correct? That is correct, Alex. So I was born and raised here in Perth. My mum came over across from Japan. My dad's side of the family is Croatian. So it's that split mix between Croatian and Japanese. So it's a bit of that Eurasian mix all together, which is a very interesting dichotomy in the way too, but one that you definitely accept and one that you look at as a real positive too. And having those different cultural backgrounds as well to blend in and sort of, I think, being raised in a household as well where manners, discipline, you know, saying your thank yous and your pleases is so integral, right? And that was pretty much brought on to us. I'm the youngest of two children, so that was really sort of instilled early on. And 
I think as well, their whole, whole sort of like driving work ethos is something that was really instilled into my sister and I and seeing how hard they worked, how basically much effort and time they put in. Like some days I'd work like 15, 17 hour days, Alex, especially my dad. And it just like, that's sort of like unbelievable in today's society, right? And I'm just luckily now he's, you know, taking a step back too because he's achieved pretty much everything that he's wanted. But yeah, just growing up was one that couldn't, you know, ask for much more to just be able to have a really stable home as well. And the two loving parents that just like absolutely backed my dreams, right? From what I told them when I was like six, seven years of age that I wanted to get into the sports media industry as either a podcaster, broadcaster, writer, play-by-play. They backed me in no matter what. And that's always been the best part of it all, just seeing them being happy as well and hopefully seeing myself fulfill those goals in the near future alex what they do for work 15 hour days is pretty brutal yeah so my parents run a small food a small japanese food business which they used to do but they're sort of taking a step back now with it so they were basically the first ones in perth to get that up and running back in 1995 so the year before i was born and they came up with the idea and really went ahead with it too and it really skyrocketed and i think just what they've been able to accomplish in that regard to just bring out a different niche to it, but also really have people enjoy what they do. And I think that's sort of pretty much that in a sense. Did you grow up in the sporting family or is this sporting pursuit unique to you? I know sometimes a lot of people, a lot of kids get instilled their parents' goals and ideas. Um, Was sport around when you were a child or was it really just unique to what you wanted to do growing up? It definitely was growing up, Alex, and you're absolutely right about that too. So my dad's side of family were all very athletic, so I was lucky to be sort of blessed with aerobic running genes. So being a you know a good to exceptional enough cross country runner really helped as well. And be able to play tennis growing up too was due to somehow having really good hand eye coordination. So that was a real blessing as well. Be able to sort of partake in those penance tournaments, tournaments events when I was like 11, 12 years of age and going up against some of the best youngsters as well, whether it be like Hensman Park or Pepe Grove here or Blue Gum Valley, which is in Bigden. And Dad, I think there was one game a long time ago. I was back in year six, Alex, just before I was, I think my first couple of weeks back then. So I was only 11 at the time. I was facing this kid who was like really small, but he could smash the leather out of the tennis ball, Alex, and he's serving. <laughs> For his stature was so fast. I was just thinking, I'm going to possibly retreat this ball back on his first or second serve. But it was all those being outdoors as well and just competing in all different sporting codes from cricket as well to footy, which I well, stopped at the end of year seven. And, of course, tennis and cross-country really took the main focus of it all because those were the two strongest sports that I was best at. So I think that definitely led a pathway too to really wanting to make of much of a pursuit of getting into the sports industry. And it's something about it too, and I think you very well know this, Alex, that sport has this tendency to bring people together no matter the circumstances. And I think that's the beautiful, beautiful thing about it it's sort of very rare to find it yeah there's a lot of negativity in that that's all circulates but when you have this closure of sport i think that's all that really matters 
That's a wonderful segue. I didn't even ask you to tee that up for me because we met through basketball and I, I know your basketball coverage. Um, so how did you get into basketball? I, I noticed you didn't mention it amongst the, the likes of tennis and, and uh, long distance running. How did you find the sport of basketball? Yeah, so to answer that question, Alex, I basically started playing a bit of basketball while I was in primary school. So from probably about year four, I wasn't that good at all. I'm going to say that right now. So somehow I just had to sort of pave away a little little bit as well. It was probably, well, actually at one point, right? So I think it was after year six. So I somehow had this growth spurt. So I ended up being the starting center for my primary school, which was a pretty cool experience. So my whole <laughs> role, when we were up in Joondalup for a while of the um, primary school sort of tournaments, I was basically the starting centre and my whole role was just to rebound and somehow shot block, which of course that never really happened, but just to pull down the carom. So that was all really good fun. But I don't know what it was in particular, Alex. Like I never really played too many basketball games growing up, say from probably the ages of like 10 to 13 I'd say at that stage it wasn't really something that hit my radar at that point the game of basketball and then I think year nine started playing a little bit here and there a bit of NBA jam right you know all those wham bands spanking man or whatever lines that used to come out from the commentators which is all in good fun and really enjoyed that but I never really did much sort of prep and homework into the history of the NBA and some of the great players behind it and then a couple of years later, we go from 2011 to 2013, and I think it's about midway through year 11 at this point. And one of my mates who has 2K13 on his iPad was just like, oh, do you want me to download the game for you? I was just like, oh, for sure. I'd love to give it a go and just, you know, learn some of the, sort of the nuances and some, you know, the different basketball positions, of course, and the players there. So he downloads the game. I started playing it. I still remember this very clearly. It was a Friday afternoon, get back home, just start playing on random, whether it be with the Brooklyn Nets or the Boston Celtics or the Miami. It's a great Nets iteration or- of 2K. Yeah, it's a really great yeah. time in the league. Some great, that's the, for those at home, that's the cover with uh, the three of them on the front cover, Blake Griffin, I think KD and even Derek Rose. Uh, a perfect time in basketball fandom. Sorry to interrupt, continue. No, that's all right, Alex. So pretty much started playing from there and started learning more about the players, the player positionings, the team histories, the sort of win-loss records, some of the good players, the role players on the teams. And I think that's where the fascination for basketball really started to take off, Alex. And I think at the time needed another sporting code to sort of enhance the, the, the knowledge bank, shall I say. And I think you can get saturated with the AFL, cricket, and once you sort of cover the broad spectrum of it, you're looking for something else. You're yearning for another sporting code because if you can add to that branch, then people will almost basically be in awe of how much you can recall. And then it just basically from the end of year 11, so the summer of 2013, started pretty much every single day. was just like checking the NBA app because – checking all the scores at the time and looking at the stat numbers and then going through the highlights and trying to download as many YouTube videos with NBA content on it just to get my head across it. And somehow it just it started to click and started to stick in the brain. And it was just a very weird concept. But one, I saw be able to recall and reiterate the people and just it is sort of a really unusual feeling. But one now I almost thought, if we can just keep sort of persisting away this, then could somehow make something of it, whether it be in a podcasting sense or writing sense or wherever. So that's sort of the beauty of it all, Alex. 
So you've talked about at a macro level, the league, but one of the things a lot of international fans struggle with is picking a team. Uh, I know that you're a big Milwaukee Bucks fan. How did that connection come to be? Yeah, it's a very strange one, Alex, too. So their G League team, the Wisconsin Herd, basically invited they invited for me to like their Facebook page. And you don't normally see G League teams of NBA sides put out an invitation, right? So they basically just proposed it forward and basically without hesitation accepted it. And I think something like beforehand as well with the Milwaukee Bucks, and they had a pretty rich history as well of Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and Sidney Moncrief and, of course, Marcus Johnson, who's now the colour commentator for the Milwaukee Bucks play-by-play TV with Lisa Byington. And they've had so many illustrious players over the years, right? Sam Cassell, Glenn Big Dog Robinson, Ray Allen, Tim Thomas, that great Bucks team from 2000-2001. And, yes, it's a small market team, but... There's a real sort of uniting within the community as well of Milwaukee and that's something that just really sort of engraved towards and wanting to follow them. And, of course, Giannis was there and Chris and Drew and, you know, the likes Bobby and Brooke and even well before, right, Michael Carter-Williams was there, Jabari Parker. And there was sort of within the team, I think, Alex, that there are definitely no egos on the team. You hear the way that the players conduct themselves at post-match conferences or even just one-on-one interviews, there's just this level of team, not individuals that want to do what's best for them and not part of the collective 15. So there was something about Milwaukee that just really gravitated towards and just and also I think as well the coverage that gets very sort of minimal when you look at the whole landscape of teams and most of the teams are made up of small market sides. There aren't too many big market teams, right? There's only probably about six or seven, whatever number out of the 30 there are. So I think just being able to go under the radar as well and sort of not get talked about sort of a good thing in a way too. But I couldn't be too much more happier, right, going for the Bucks and just seeing what they also do for the community as well, like Drew Holiday, right? How much did he do for the community? I think he won a community assist award too for one of the seasons. if he absolutely if, did. If, should I say it wasn't last season, I think. I can't remember exactly what the name of the award is, but it's those sort of acts, right, which basically, basically almost put out a good name and almost put out a good brand as well on the team. Look, I'd be remiss if I didn't have you on the interview show and we don't talk about the NBA and the Bucks for another five minutes. So those listening at home, I swear it's only going to be five more minutes and we'll get back into Yuri's career. Um, but what's your earliest Bucks memory? I think probably, well, I'd say 2017. That was probably the earliest one against Toronto. There were a few ones before that as well against Chicago Bulls. And, of course, we saw what happened with Giannis when he shoved down Mark Dunleavy, you remember? I think I flagrant two in that game. And the Bucks were being blown out. I think, I'm think pretty sure this was game six. It was game six. And I think the scoreline was about 58 to 20 or something. It was about three or four minutes left in the first half and he just lands basically a forearm shiver into Mike Dunleavy and you just see Dunleavy's reaction. It's just like, yeah, this game has pretty much gone out of our grasp. But <laughs> what they were able to do, right, that first round series against the Chicago Bulls, the 3-6 matchup, Jason Kidd pretty much revitalized that whole team. They went from basically a bottom defensive rating side right the year before in Giannis's rookie year when they went 15-67 and 67 to a 41-41 and 41 team and there was a lot of upside with the team, right? I think they traded for Michael Carter-Williams in season as well. Jabari Parker was a guy on the rise, although, of course, he did 
hurt his ACL yeah, during his rookie year. Let's not talk about Parker much. Yeah. <laughs> let's so, best to leave that one behind for other Bucks fans maybe listening. Oh, for sure. So there was a lot of optimism at the time. And then we flash forward to the following season. They only win 33 games, which is a real disappointment. And then the following year, they finish again as the number six seed, push the Toronto Raptors to six games. And you think some of the bones of the team are there, but not all of it, especially the center position at the time. I think John Henson was the starting center at that point as well. And he was sort of an enforcer, if you want to call him that way too. You know, he's a solid rebounder, but I think we needed a lot more at that end of that 2017-18 season when we were ousted by the Celtics and we didn't go down without a fight, right? We lost in seven games and there was a whole trash talking with Terry Rozier and Eric Bledsoe and Eric Bledsoe was like, Terry who after one post-match conference too. So there's definitely a lot of barbs between the two teams. And then, of course, Mike Budenholzer comes along in the summer of 2018, revamps the whole game plan, and it was an unbelievable transformation that season. Go from winning, what, 42 games in 2017-18, the East number seven seed, to being on top of the East, winning 60 games out of 82. And you definitely thought that team definitely had the nucleus to go all the way, right, and win a championship when we bring across Brook Lopez, who really at that point, Alex, it may be hard to sort of process, but I reckon a lot of teams didn't want him. I Absolutely. That point. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I'm wearing a Lakers shirt right now and the Lakers refused to sign him in free agency to the minimum. So um, you're spot on. Yep. So he was one of them and thank goodness he has because it's been one of the most unbelievable transformations for the center from a low post guy, which so much debate with him and DeMarcus Cousins on the two best young centers in the NBA, I think roughly around 2013 or 2014, roughly at that point to being the evolution of taking threes. And we saw bits and drabs in 2015-16 and of course 2016-17 was like, Holy bonanza, this guy is a seven-footer. And you see his jump shot right, Alex. He barely needs to lift his feet off the ground. It's almost like, oh, he just almost got on his tippy toes and then take an 18- to 20-foot jumper, which he was so well-renowned when him and Darren Williams had that lethal pick-and-roll combination. And yes, barring, of course, Darren Williams had all his ankle problems during his time with the Nets. But that was just one incredible sort of revamping of Brook Lopez's game. And then, of course, we had Nicole Miritich there. And that series, which we absolutely wiped out the Detroit Pistons in the sweep, right? And I think, let's try to remember, oh, Giannis, there was that particular play, play in game three, which Andre Drummond was ejected for. And it was basically, I think, a right-arm forehand shove to Giannis. He was in midair going up for a layup, and Drummond copped a flagrant two for that. And then we advance on to the conference semis and wipe out the Boston Celtics. Kyrie Irving, I think, he shoots like, 30-something percent on the series as well. And I think one game he only shot four of 19. I think that was the closing game five of that series. And he caught quite a fair lot of flack for that too. And I definitely remember too after game one, Paul Pierce was like, oh, the Celtics got to win the series. And it came back to bite him in the bum pretty quickly. And then, of course, we saw the conference finals, the Bucks' first conference finals appearance since 2001, which they lost to the Philadelphia 76ers. Led by Alan Iverson. This is in what seven I'm talking games. about, about the incredible mind of Yuri Bilsic. Just going back 23 years off the dome to 2001, getting all the facts right. Just a quick little break from today's show for some housekeeping. If this is your first time listening to one of our shows here at Mojo, welcome. 
we host a wide variety of sports shows all year round. At the moment, we've just got the NBA show, but just around the corner, we'll have coverage on the AFL, the NRL, the Women in the League show last year managed to pull some amazing guest interviews every week with the likes of Cronulla halfback Taylor Preston, Tigers coach Brett Kamali. Uh, we had Jamie Soward on there and a host of other NRLW athletes. And hopefully soon, the return of one of our popular shows, Women in Gridiron. If you've enjoyed today's chat with Yuri so far, consider leaving us a five-star review to support independent Australian sports podcasting and consider subscribing to have a new episode delivered straight to your preferred feed. Back to the show. Two more uh, Bucks questions, then we can move on to everything else that I want to talk to you about. Who's your favorite player and have you been to a game? So my favorite player is Giannis Antetokounmpo, Alex. Just his whole modest approach as well. There's just no brush of arrogance about him and it's the way he was raised up in Greece and the whole backstory of having to fight for survival his parents came across from Nigeria too looking for a better life for him and his three brothers including Thanasis and Alex and Costas and they pretty much had to fight every single day because they weren't Greek citizens and of course there's that rule in Greece I'm pretty sure where you're not as you, you can't attain your citizenship in Greece until you turn 18 so they were pretty much living in fear if they were caught by the authorities they'd basically be deported so there was so much living in survival and they he and his brothers pretty much did everything they possibly could and they did and luckily I can't remember who his coach was that saw potential in Giannis to become a basketball player because I don't think basketball was ever Giannis's first preference. Soccer was the sport that he really gravitated to. Yeah, he's got a brother who went pro as well. So, Yep. So just seeing what he's been able to accomplish as well. And then the whole dynamic in his game, right, from basically a lanky kid who's basically what, as Randy Whitman would describe Kevin Garnett, no more than 75 buck weight. He was all skin and bones, just like what KG was when he first came into the league back in 1995. And then the whole transformation, his muscle mass from his shoulders, he's basically just like an Adonis now. And it's just incredible, the whole level of physique that he has transformed into, into becoming arguably one of the most dominant power forwards and yes he does play center at times even though coach adrian griffin has opted to stay away from that this season he's just beast like mode every single time and you can't dislike him what he does for the community as well the philanthropy too and everything alex and luckily enough to own a Giannis jersey too which is just more than you know being thankful for too as well and every time a bucks game comes up as well I just want to wear it just for the sake of it just don it on every single time and I think when you look as well away from the basketball court, you've never heard any bad things about Giannis from anyone, I reckon. No one said one bad word about his character off the court. And I think that just speaks volumes for who he is and the way his parents raised him as well and his ethos and his morals and values and everything that he lives by. So, And also the second question to that too, Alex, as well. I've never been to a Bucks game and it's something in future that has definite plans on going that I want to go to as well and be part of. All right. It's worth mentioning um, your AFL pedigree. I am a dirty Queenslander, so unfortunately for me, uh, not a big AFL man up here. Uh, I'm assuming you might be a West Coast Eagles guy. Talk to me about the AFL. I'm getting a head shake. No, Alex. So I've been a blue supporter the last 16 years now. So basically got persuaded across from one of my dad's mates as well, the Carlton cap, and pretty much started going for them ever since and really had to learn a lot about the rich history, the Carlton Football Club, 16 premierships, tied with Eston and Collingwood as well, of course, 
winning the Premiership last season. And just, I think there have been so many lead times. Everyone well knows this in the AFL Sophia that the salary cap scandal in 2002 and not playing finals for eight years. And then, of course, this season ending a decade-long drought. And arguably, this is our best list we've had in years. And it's very hard to comprehend that. But the depth we've got, not just from the top, but within our sort of second unit as well, the basically the second layer of the cake, which any player from the top of Patrick Cripps or Harry Mackay or Charlie Kern or Adam Cherry gets injured, we can fill the void with those second-tier replacements as well there. Like we can replace, say, Jacob Wiedering, who's out for the next six to eight weeks with a torn calf injury, maybe like a Lewis Young or Sam Durden. So it's the flexibility that we've got as a club, which hasn't been seen in a long time and truly thankful for sort of sticking through those hard times because it can be very easy to be discouraged and, you know, move across and sort of really sort of spit the dummy in the way too. But it, I think this year as well, after what happened last year, right, and midway through the season, right, sitting four wins, a draw and eight, and eight losses at that point, pretty much all hope was lost. And then the players really took the accountability to look each other in the eye and make that major adjustment to going somehow from 15th place at the end of round 13 all the way to a prelim final, which was just a remarkable transformation. All right. I want to delve a little bit deeper into uh, your time at university. Uh, where did you go? What did you graduate with? And then how did you get into sports reporting and writing? Yeah, so to answer all that, Alex, so I a big had question. to undergo, yes, that's all good. Had to undergo a bridging course first in 2015 because my ATAR mark the year before wasn't to the standard. So had to do a year's worth of the bridging course and got through that. There were some sort of nervous times, I think, especially in that second semester, but managed to put the head down and do the work and get through. And luckily enough was be able to, move on to my undergrad degree the following year in 2016 and just kept working away as hard as possible. I think definitely the second last semester of my time at uni at Notre Dame in Fremantle was by far the toughest. The all four units I undertook were all practical units and probably if I had my time again, I would have sort of distributed that a lot more evenly as well by not having all four practical units all at the same time. So it really kept me on my toes right from the first week and don't know, somehow managed to survive through that, which is, I don't know, quite an unbelievable feat in itself. So was able to graduate in December of 2018 with a Bachelor of Communications and Media, majoring in journalism. And then after that was sort of just a real figuring out phase at that point as well. It wasn't exactly, or I knew exactly where I wanted to go, but it was the starting point mm. at that time, which was relatively unknown. So luckily sort of reached out to one of, my dad's cousin's nephew, Steve Allen, who works at Network 10 here in Perth, and he just basically put me on board to do a couple of weeks of work experience with 6PR, which I did and really enjoyed as well and got to learn the realms as well of reporting and everything that goes with it as well, and especially live press conferences. And then from there, basically emailed to Sport FM, which I was there for a couple of years and basically got my foot in the door as well and became the producer for their afternoon drive program, hosted my own show, which, which was- Which I heard, pretty, which was great, yeah. Yeah, which was a very daunting experience, Alex, because I still remember this is the very first show. I was only doing Sundays at that point. So it was December 15, 2019. My show was a one-hour show at that time. So it ran from 9 a.m. to 10 a.m. here in Perth. And it's all live and 
none of it's pre-recorded. So I just remember probably, I reckon 10, 15 minutes before, I was really nervous. I just had to go somewhere just to just to somehow calm the nerves. And then once I got into like inside the studio, got the microphone ready and just had to somehow just reassure myself that everything will be okay. Just stick to your style and don't be very sort of jaded in a way as well with your flow of conversation behind the microphone because if listeners will know that you're being authentic, then they will totally relate with you. And somehow after our first hour, it just like, it went really quickly and somehow I just found my footing in a way and found my voice, found my radio style, which I think somehow sort of resonated and orchestrated with the listener. And then from there, I was lucky enough to be afforded an opportunity to fill in for the mid-morning programs. And I think the best part of it as well, Alex, was one talkback caller rang up after the show and he was just like, yeah, I absolutely loved the show, the three-hour program that you did, right? There was no – you didn't say those filler words like ums and ahs, which are so hard to eradicate from your speech, right? They take such a long time to get rid of. And to have that compliment was something that was totally mind-blowing to say the least. And it just further grew the confidence. I was able to do Saturday programs then for like two-hour shows and just be able to have my own variety and own sort of – structural style to the show which was i think a really good experience in itself and then after a couple of years sort of really pulled the plug and decided it was time to move on from there pretty much um talk to me about the decision to start your own substack account and explore uh writing through that medium early last year so the beginnings of all of that alex to have to really start with in april of, or january of 2022 so i was really unsure at that time as well i'd had absolutely no clue with networking at that point. It was almost just a deer in the headlights. So scrolling through LinkedIn one day in January, I basically came through across SportsGrad, their page, and decided to have a look and see what their whole mission was about. And so after having a read and then basically talking to my parents about it and my mum was really sort of sort of introspective in terms of what they're all about too because she wanted to know whether they're definitely not a hoax or scam or anything like that so she had a read of it and she was like gave me a tick of approval and basically applied through and i messaged ryan walker who's been a tremendous asset for the last two years now i'm lucky enough to call him a friend and you know mentor as well and he basically set me on the path as well we laid out a platform on what i'd already done within my experience and we just basically went from there and I just started sort of laying out some sort of template, especially networking too. So one video call we had in on June 2nd of 2022, so it was a Thursday afternoon that we did it and he basically just said on LinkedIn, reach out to five to ten people. You won't hear from all of them, but if you hear from half of them, then that's a great result. So I did exactly that and I was likely to get probably four, I reckon four responses back and all four of them, I was able to get coffee meetings with them and just learn more about their journey. And then I think the biggest goldmine strike last year was early January and reach out to Glenn Quarterman, who's, I reckon, been the biggest mentor of mine and someone who'd already seen what I'd done, who already heard what I already sort of did at 91.3 Sport FM. And it sort of really set a pathway, I think, that can really attack this head on. And I think... That has been the biggest thing and the biggest growth. And that pretty much leads to the Substack, Alex, because 
Last year, I'd already been doing a fair amount of work with Zero Digital for Zero Hanger and Zero Wicked at the time and just looking for another sort of website portfolio to put all my written work across. So Ryan was at that recommendation of like, oh, you should set up your own Substack account. You can really showcase your other creative writing sort of sort of templates in a way too. So I started doing that and just sort of one to two posts per week and sort of try not to think too much of perfection, just allow the creative piece to write itself. And I think that's the biggest thing that's really helped along the way too is just putting putting pen to paper and not thinking too much about it. Once you get to the editing process, you can always refine and readjust certain sentences and certain facts and fact check at the end of the day. And it's just the whole momentum really just started to take off and having done over now 55 articles, which is something that, yeah, it's, it's a totally sort of mesmerizing thing. And I think consistency has been a big thing as well and really marketing across my LinkedIn profile as well. And speaking of LinkedIn, that's been a game changer for the last, I reckon, close to, I'd say 19 to 20 months since frequently using it. And it's definitely done the world of wonders, reach out to people, people wanting to reach out to you and connect and I think it's just those small micro steps, incremental steps to just getting started. Like what you've done with your MBA podcast, right? You've done over 100 podcasts and it's getting about close getting close to 200. First, yeah, it's yeah, crazy. Yep. It's those first couple of steps. And the hardest part is starting. It's like anything. If you get started and don't think about too much and overthink, then you're pretty much halfway there. Um, how would you explain your writing style and do you have a favorite writer? I'd probably consider my writing style to be very sort of factual. I like to mix somewhat of opinion, but it's more on a factual basis, Alex. I love to use sort of stats and numbers and figures and sort of things I've heard from before and then put it into my spin on things as well. So that's the one thing I'm sort of really blessed to have is good memory retention as well, be able to sort of put things on the spot. But there'll be other things like a stat that I'll have to sort of go back and research and then sort of collaborate that together and then put it on the piece of paper. And yes, that may take five to seven minutes, but it's well worth the time to put it together and have it sort of blend in and see like on the visual lenses that, oh, wow, he's actually gone away for a few minutes and just crunch pad or just stat pad through the numbers to bring it to life. And that's always a great thing as well, especially when a reader, especially when people engage with it on LinkedIn as well. And that comes down to like feature interviews and especially the recent one I did as well with Luke Brennan, the Southeast Melbourne Phoenix assistant coach, to see the number of engagements. Like it just kept going up and up, Alex. And it was just like, this is totally surreal. It just was just one of those ones where you sort of had to blink twice to realize that this is actually sort of impacted and spread across a number of people. And a number of people are somehow engaging with it and then sharing it with someone else. So that that was something that was totally just one that I am definitely still in disbelief about. I'd be interested to see uh, what your favorite writers are because I have a hunch we might be into the same kind of guys. Yeah, you're spot on about that, Alex. Zach Lowe is definitely Absolutely. one okay, of them. Yeah. Yep, and we're reading his, <laughs> yep. Yeah, Zach Lowe writes brilliant content and he's, I reckon he's just an absolute guru, like an absolute guru and an absolute, his retention 
and attention to detail and memory recall is something which is almost uncomparable to anyone else. Seriously. He, he also puts in the rap- hard work, though. Let's not sell him any short. I, th- I think he is a little bit like what you're saying, the memory recall, but that that's a guy who puts in the work of watching sports for eight to ten hours a day, um, reports on it in a factual but conversational tone, calls the executives he's privileged enough to be able to be friends with and, and network with. Um, fantastic writer. What about in the AFL or in cricket spheres? Yeah, I think the AFL side, Alex, there's quite a fair number of them. I like Callum Toomey's work and he's the top AFL draft guru expert and he does a lot of great written work too. Michael Whiting, who's the Brisbane Lions and Gold Coast Suns AFL correspondent up in your neck of the woods, the Sunshine State. And luckily enough, I've been able to interview him a couple of times and he's just so knowledgeable, right? Knows the Lions and Suns sort of in a sanctum back to front and just been lucky enough to... Yeah, had those couple of interview chats with him and his written work is just magnificent. And I think within the cricket sphere too, well, there's definitely Barat Sundaraisen as well. He's magnificent. Telford Vice, who's the South African Crick Buzz correspondent. And I think, I was trying to remember there was another one. There's a couple of cricket.com.au writers who are really good as well. I think Andrew Ramsey and Josh Schoenfinger and Louis Cameron are really good writers too and definitely try to read as much of their work as possible as well and they have some really good insights, Alex. So uh, let's pivot to Mojo. We both uh, are on the NBA panel here at Mojo. How did you find the network? Yeah, so the beginnings of that, Alex, stem from late February last year. So on the Sportsgrad Discord channel, was just scrolling through just to see what sort of opportunities there were. And then there was a particular one on the internship which popped up with Mojo Sports NBA panelists. So just had a quick skim of it just to see what they're looking for and the criteria. And I see came to a decision. I was like, I'll give it a couple of days. I'll see what happens. And then I'll conjure my resume and cover letter together because the cover letter, I think that Ben sort of labeled was about six questions in all. And I think my cover letter was about 380 to 400 words answering all those questions. And then basically put that through and then really had no idea at that point what would eventuate. So, and then the message popped up on my phone on that Monday afternoon about 1.37 p.m. And it was like, hey, Yuri, it's Ben McQueen here from the Mojo Sports Network. I'd, I've seen your cover letter and your resume. I'd love to have a phone interview with you. When, what day would best suit you? And I said, oh, Thursday morning, mid-morning, if that's okay. And he was like, for sure. So we tee up an interview there. It goes for 10 to 15 minutes and we just talk about the love of our of the NBA and like what sort of gravitated me, myself, into the sport. And after that conversation, he basically came to the conclusion that we'd like to offer you a spot as one of our panellists. And at the time, I think I was the fourth and final panellist until one of the other people dropping in. And, of course, Tom Dev came along too. So that was something that was totally a shock at that point, Alex, after that interview because I thought there were going to be at least – 40 to 50 different applicants who are all vying for that same position who who wanted that opportunity. So that's something that was just truly The NBA for. show's got a high bar, mate. I'm sure you know the, the length and discussion we go to. It's a high bar on that show. Uh, so congrats. I think you've got a very similar story to me on that one. Um, what's next for you? So you've gone through this evolution um, with the internship here at Mojo, exploring your sports writing into reporting across a different couple sports. I know you've got a job with uh, in the data capturing realm. What's next for Yuri Bilsic? 
Yeah, so I think what lies ahead, Alex, so got champion data at the moment with data capturing for the waffle season, which starts in late March. I think the big goal of mine this year is to get a full-time position. And after two years of just refining and just tinkering away and sort of reassessing and making those adjustments to what I need to improve upon and who I can network with, definitely feel really confident on taking the deep plunge and really making a good fist of it. And so I've been really lucky enough to have all these different experiences in the last couple of years and building my LinkedIn profile and sort of building a brand because, again, the building a brand was something that oh, just it doesn't really matter too much and sort of the knowledge will take through, but that is completely non-factual and it's one that you've got to sort of market yourself very studiously to get the best out of yourself and for people to oh, understand and sort of realise sort of what he's all about and what he can provide on the value basis. So that's something I'm really excited about and definitely optimism is one thing I can tell you right now, Alex, too. So I think after these last 24 months and yet there have been some sort of days where it has been a little bit tough in a way too, but you've got to try and fight through those and not think about too much and really instill and back your belief that you've got what it takes. But at the same time, you've got to always be on the continual learning growth mindset because once you stop learning and people start catching up to you, the whole pendulum can swing very quickly. All right, Yuri, it's that time of the interview where we shift to our final five questions, the panic questions. I don't know if you can hear that music, but in post-production, I've definitely put some up-tempo music up against this. So time for the big five here we go. Number one, who is your hero? Oh, my hero, my parents. They're, they're the ones that brought me up, raised me, instilled all the values like we spoke about earlier in his chat, Alex. And they're the ones that really backed me in. And even through the hardest of times as well, and there have definitely been some hard times. They, they're the ones that really fought rightly, just listened intently as well, and really had my best interests, best interests at heart, shall I say. And one that I'm just truly thankful for and definitely wouldn't be here without them. And they've just, again, they've done everything and they're just, I reckon, some of the most hardworking people I've ever come across, seriously. What is your biggest fear? My biggest fear, I reckon, is just not being good enough, feeling as though I don't have what it takes. And I think it's a very unusual answer in a sense. It's not sort of that typical answer of, oh, heights and ladders and whatever else it's sort of that one where you've put in a ton of work and then you sort of sometimes see that dream of yours that you want to pursue crumble away into the distance and that's something i definitely don't want to think about but something that is definitely a scary proposition but i think it's a very fearful one too but one that you can always overcome as long as just you having that inner self-belief at the same time if you could live anywhere in the world, where would that be? I think it would be straight across the Melbourne, Alex, the sporting capital of Australia. Everything's there too. Pretty much the whole vicinity of sport. It's eat, live, breathe, sport 24-7, 365. And I think that's where the opportunities are. The opportunities are many people here from WA have made that move. Narrowly Meadows, Drew Jones, just to name a couple. And... If you can make it anywhere, you can make it there. And that's definitely the main goal of mine, Alex. If you had to lose one sense, which one would it be? Ooh, I definitely would say 
Smell. Everyone always tone. says smell. All right, we'll move straight on. <laughs> Turns out we don't need smell. Um, this is the final question for today's interview. So thank you very much for catching up with me, Yuri. As always, it's been my pleasure. Um, tell me about the life that Yuri Bilsic will be leading in five years' time. Where are you going to be? Ooh, what are you going to be doing? That, that's a that's a ripping question, Alex. I think my goal is to be in a full-time position, whether it be broadcasting, podcasting, writing, wherever. And whether that's the dream of working in the NBA, in cricket, in the AFL, I think that's pretty much the path I want to live. And I think just that's pretty much the whole goal for mine is within those five years to accomplish all those dreams that you sort of work previously beforehand to really put those reps in together and really make that dream a reality. Well, if there's anyone who's got the passion to do it, the drive to do it, and the knowledge bank inside their brain to do it, Yuri, it might as well be you. I think uh, that's a pretty good odds that um, that might be happening for you. So thank you very much for joining me. I hope you've enjoyed our little chat. Uh, I'll see you in a couple of days for the NBA show here on the Mojo Sports Network. Uh, tell the people at home where they can see you, read you, hear you, whatever you're doing. Alex, it's been a pleasure. Thank you for having me again. It's just it's been great these last whatever handful of minutes that we've been speaking, just talking about the career and something don't really tend to talk about too much, but the, your questions were super engaging as well. And I think speaking on that second part too, where you can find all my work. So at Substack, so you can search on my LinkedIn profile as well. And basically on the top part, you'll see just a short sort of caption away, which is subscribe to my newsletter with a rocket emoji. We'll put some so links in the show notes that, too. Yep. Yep. That goes right there to the Substack account. The Inner Sanctum, I do a fair bit of work for them as well, feature writing and whatever articles I can sort of get my hands on to contribute as much as possible. And Are you going to jump well, on my NBA article over yes. there? Yeah, okay, continue. Yes, with the Mojo Sports Network too, with yourself, Tom Dev, Jack Brophy, and Julian Balthazar as well. And to have done, what, 40 episodes together? It's just... It's we're sneaking up on a year. Again. Yeah, we really are sneaking up on a year. Um, that seems as good a place as any to leave today's chat, Yuri. So uh, I will talk to you in about four days' time. But until then, um, thanks. Appreciate it. Absolutely, Alex. Thank you for having me on. That is it for today's episode with the Mini Basketball Encyclopedia. That was Yuri Bilsic. I've been Alexander J. You've been great. Remember to follow your passion and we'll chat again soon.